Well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries, and as always, what a blessing it is to be here with you. You know, i got to say, there's there's some things I enjoy doing out there, but this right here is one of my most favorite times, one of the most favorite things that I get to do. And I, I hope that... Um, that one of your favorite things to do is to be able to listen, to listen to the Word of God and to see what He's done, and to, just to, just to know more about Him and what He's done. And I got to tell you, you're you're in for a treat today. Um, you know, and, well, you're in for a treat every time. I hope when you read the Word of God. But you know, when we when we read certain things that might have been a hard pill to swallow, God always follows up with something pleasant afterwards. And so I'm I'm always glad to uh to do that follow up after reading something that that might have been a little bit um a little bit uneasy. And last uh, chapter we were in was in Exodus 32. That was the well-known chapter in regards to the worship of the golden calf. And um many people know that story. And I, I see, you know, it's funny because uh the the chapter before the, that one was in regards to God dealing with um uh, giving out talents. And then the following chapter was the golden calf on how uh, Aaron made the golden calf and and uh, all the people were worshiping it and Moses came down from the mountain but God was extremely angry with the people. And and so it's funny I noticed there was a lot more listens on the uh on the previous one in regards to the talents than there was on the golden calf. I I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to listen to every chapter no matter how good or bad it might seem, because it's all good. Why? Because it's God's Word. See, if God put it in there, it was put in there for a reason. You know, we, we want to, everybody wants to observe the good stuff most of the time, and I can't blame them, but we also have to look at the whole picture in order to avoid the things that He wants us to stay away from. Those are very important. And, and so, but again, if I can uh, encourage everyone and remind everyone that as somebody who's read the whole Bible and, and, and somebody who's actually almost taught the whole Bible, I can assure you that through every storm that's hit, the sun always came back. And so I'm hoping we could get a glimpse of that here in this particular chapter. Because, again, you know, a lot of people have this outlook of God in the Old Testament. Oh, he was the God of wrath. The God of the New Testament is a God of grace. Well, no, that is that is not the case. He's the same God that was always from the beginning till now. There, there was no change of wrath to grace. Because if you've read the whole Old Testament and observed God and who he was, yeah, he gave, he gave some, uh, um, some harsh, uh, at times, things that were said and things that were done due to the disobedience of the people. But he was always merciful. He was always gracious beyond our, any measure of any human being, right? So we're, we're going to observe those things. And again, I just, I, I really, I, I've always cringed when I've heard people say that about the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament. And I thought to myself, like, wow, that is a, that is a pretty, a pretty far out statement. Um, and so I hope that you could see that yourself when you read each chapter with me as we go through the Word of God verse by verse, book by book. Because you really can't know God very well until you've read the whole Bible. And, and, uh, you, you get a better glimpse of who He is. He, He, you know, this, this book has divine authorship. It has divine editor. <laughs> and, and so again, if we haven't figured that out yet, well then continue to do so so that way you can see what I'm talking about. That He is the divine author. He is the divine editor. 
And it's the only book in the world that I've ever known that has changed millions, if not billions, of lives continually to this day, as hard as, hard as things might be. So, if you have your Bible, let's turn to Exodus chapter 33. And uh, now that they've been dealt with in the form of what had happened with the golden calf, let's take a look at what God does now. In verse 30, or chapter 33, verse 1 through 6, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants that I will give it. And I will send uh, my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned. And no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said uh, to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now therefore take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. So now that they were de uh, dealt with after the golden calf incident, they are now ready to move on. But they had to remove their ornaments, which it was uh, jewelry and sorts. Now, when people really blow it, God does not hang around in the midst like he did, like uh, Adam and Eve. Okay, Adam and Eve are the first example. God used to walk in the Garden of Eden. And he, he did not after the fall in the Garden. So, see, God was leading them by day as a cloud of shade and a fire at night so they could see. Well, now he wasn't, leave, uh, he wasn't leaving them empty-handed, but he was not going to be in their midst. He said an angel would be sent ahead. Now, this was not a permanent ban on ornaments. This was temporary for the sign of mourning and repentance. See, God called them stiff-necked, and, and he, he will... Uh, he'll, he will as more time goes on. See, we've heard the term that someone is a stu stubborn as a mule because when the one steering wants to turn its head, one is steering and then the mule wants to uh, change its head in a different direction. The mule stiffens its neck to, uh, to go the other way. And we have to remember that stiff necks will be the first to break because God's will and direction will always go. Now, how fitting is that, that, <laughs> that a golden calf was made? Because calves are stubborn animals. And, and, and so I thought that was an interesting outlook. That said, okay, I'm going to make you a golden calf. And they make something that is stubborn that works in the same area. I thought that was quite fitting. But an angel will go forth to drive out the what I call the ites, and many people call them the ites. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites. And, and how fitting by God to do so. Right? Because he, he said an angel would go ahead of you. Now the word angel in the Hebrew is called malak. And malak, which means angel, means to send forth. And when you look at the Greek word for angel, it's angelo, which means messenger. And that's exactly what their ministry consisted of. Because angels, angels are not to be messed with either. You could look in the Bible, if you haven't heard the stories before, that one angel uh, took out 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in the book of Kings. And then we have another account of an angel uh, taking out 75,000 people in the time of King David. And, and um, 
It could have been more if God did not stop the event. So now that they're on the move, this journey should have taken about 11 days. Okay, It was only supposed to take them 11 days to get to the promised land from Egypt on foot. It's going to take them 40 years of circling around. Why? Because there will be disobedience. There's going to be stubbornness. That stiff neck that God was saying. And God will be watching them. So they mourned when God gave the news. I will not be in the midst. Now that is a sign of hope for change in the people. Why? Because how many times do children say to a father when a father says, I cannot take part in your debaucheries. And, the, and, and then the children will say, well fine, get lost. See, it happens a lot. I don't need you anymore. You don't want me. I don't want you either. And then the family is divided. Well, let's, what I'm referring to is, is where the hope was, is the fact that they mourned. See, what, what good is living in paradise when the most important person in your life is not there with you? We need to learn from history, not repeat it, especially the, uh, when the things that were done and the downfall of God. We need to remember that it is up to us to repent when we fall. If we, do, if we just do what we do with no conviction, then we're in big trouble down the road. You know, I, I remember hearing a wonderful illustration in fearing one's father. Now, it wasn't because they were afraid of them and what their father would do. Now, that was part of it, but the main fear was in the fear of disappointing their father. There was such a love and a respect for the dad that it killed them internally to know that their dad was disappointed. That was the biggest fear more than anything. That is the difference. Pleasing the Lord is always great. Is always the greatest thing that any of us can focus on because he, he does not forget what we have done in his holy name. Now let's take a look in seven uh, verses 7 through 11. So M Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose, and each man stood at his t tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood, and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man did, uh, did not depart from the tabernacle. So Moses pitched a tent and called it the tabernacle of meeting, uh, which would be a temporary meeting place until the actual tabernacle is completed. See, it was outside of the campaways for those who wanted to seek God. They had to, go, they had to uh, walk a little. Now it doesn't say how far, but it wasn't right next door either. And I've heard in certain countries such as um, like with uh, churches in, in, in Africa, where it was actually witnessed by American visitors that had gone over there, that people would walk for miles to go to church. One pastor said he saw one woman that would walk for 10 miles with her baby in a, in a pouch carrier and like a backpack on, uh, on her to go to church on foot, 10 miles. I have heard of people that would drive for many miles to attend the churches they go to, and um, 
I attend a church where a woman with uh, with her 11 year old daughter she drives 40 miles one way on the weeknights to go to church on Wednesday nights. So there are churches in their um, there are churches in their town, but this is the one where they feel God is present, and it, it was normal that places of worship were built a slight distance from the towns in ancient places. And sometimes the synagogues will be on hills at times. But it was a place where the people could witness the cloud as, as what God came down in, in the form of talking with Moses. See, God, God could not come down in his full glory as we will see... Um, we will see so when when he comes down in something more welcoming and pleasant uh, that, that's not going to uh, put a, a major fear. See, to witness Moses talking with God in this form was seen by others as an inviting way of people wanting to be with God as it actually worked. See, Moses talked with God as a man that speaks to his friend. And, and God still operates that way, but we have to come out of our own tents at times. Does God meet us where we're at? Well, sure. Sure he will. But are we willing to go out of the tent? Are we willing to make our way out of the camp to be with him? That's the question. So often we want to, the Lord to come to us. But, you know, we're willing to drive across town to be with friends or whoever we're longing to spend time with. I am confident that God is pleased when we are willing to go wherever he says to meet him at. Now, notice the name Joshua here. A young man that did not depart from the tabernacle. Keep an eye on him because Joshua will become a leader as well. Moses was an example to him. And Joshua had a love for Moses, but more so a love for God. Because he will finish the task of Moses when Moses' time is up. And I was talking with some ladies in the church I go to. And uh, I was actually teaching there that afternoon, at the afternoon service. And one of them spoke of their grandmother, who was always in prayer. And this woman that I'm talking about who told me this is 75 years old right now. But she never forgot her grandmother. And when people close to you see you draw near to God... They may want to as well. I'll never forget when I was praying at the church that I go to during a week, they had a prayer vigil there, and I brought my five year old son. And he was kneeling down with me at the stage as we were praying, and then, and then he whispers to me, and he says, he says, Daddy, this is the best day. <laughs> and I just looked at him, I said, it most certainly is. So yes, it stands true. It stands true that others may not for whatever reason, but that is between them and God. Others may not want to come. Others may not want to to um, make the distance. Some may not want to go to church or on certain days or whatever the case may be, but that's between them and God. See, Moses would have drawn near regardless of who does or who doesn't. But by Joshua's closeness to God is why he was chosen to lead the people. Because the closer we are to God, the better off we will always be, whatever our calling is. Uh, let's see here verse uh, 12 to 18, which says, And then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. 
Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. We see that Moses is still one who questions. And, and not so much questioning God, but questioning himself or, or those with him. When God called Moses, Moses debated with God or, or questioned him about Moses being chosen. And I believe he did that like seven times. Seven times he questioned God. How will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except if you go with us? See, I think it's very important to observe the conversations between God and Moses. Because it is one of the best observations of our God and Creator. Now, some will say, well, we're not Moses. And, and that is true, but neither were all the others that God used and called over the next couple thousand years. The next thing, the, the, the things in common was they were called... They were called, they obeyed, and they walked closely to God. Now, if you walk close to God as Moses did, who knows what God will do? But the greatest thing that we can ask for is that he is with us regardless of what we want or where we think we want to go. But how neat it is to see that God said, okay, I will go. You have found grace in my sight. Again, in this ministry, as each chapter that is taught, it's to go further than just gaining some knowledge, as you will, but more than anything, knowing God a little more closer than we do, including myself, as each book and chapter is taught. Because Moses was blunt, right? He was blunt with God. If you do not go, how will they know that grace has been given? And, and we must question that about ourselves. If I go anywhere, people will see a stranger. But if you're there, no one will bother us as long as you're with us, Lord. So, so please show me your glory. Now, Moses probably thought, I'm on a roll. Show me your glory now if you haven't followed from the beginning of Exodus. With everything that God has done, one would think, glory, how much more can he show? Well, enough that anyone could not withstand it here on earth. That I could tell you in the next chapter. But as God will tell Moses in the near future, the next chapter, or, or verse even, he, he, asked for the, uh, he asked for in the Hebrew word, which is the glory, which is called kabod. And it is, it is translated in like uh, something of like measuring by weight. And, and that kind of weight no one can carry. But again, Moses was not completely satisfied. Show me your glory. Now, I'm not talking about being content. But Moses had the right idea. We should never be content with a stagnant relationship with God. Nor should we be content with just reading the Bible one time and closing it just to collect dust. You know, think of people that are close to you. And how much you just cannot wait to see them or to be with them in fellowship. That should be so much more with God than with people around us that we cannot wait to see. 
Lord, can I stay, can I take a step closer to you? Can I approach your throne? Because his word says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And, and it is something that I can say with confidence that God will be glad to do. See, at first people will want insurance. We want to make sure that if something is lost, we can get it back. But God gives not just insurance, God gives assurance. I will give you rest, he said. And when you hear that from God, you can rest assured on that. Because the the intercession and the restoration of the people was honored and blessed. Now let's take a look here in verse 19 to 23. And then he said, I will make all my, my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no man shall see my face. shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. People have asked, if God exists, why can't we see him? See, God answered that question to Moses. No one could see his face on earth and survive his glory in full. It would literally kill someone. Now, I'm not sure how, whether through a heart attack or something more, but it cannot be handled because God said it himself. That is why God came down in different forms in the past, like uh, cloud, fire. Uh, When he came down in the form of a torch to Abraham when he made the uh, covenant with Abraham. And then he also came down in human form when he showed with the two angels to Abraham's tent. And then later, the prophet Elijah, he will meet God in a similar way in 1 Kings chapter 19. And what's interesting is how Moses and Elijah both seen God to an extent in different times. And what's also interesting is it was Moses and Elijah who showed up in the presence of Jesus on the mount in the, in, right in front of the disciples. It was called the configuration. And it was Moses and Elijah that was right there with Christ. And, and Peter seen that. And Peter had gotten overly excited. And he says, let's build three tabernacles. One for each of you, Lord. He didn't want to leave after seeing that. But Moses' experience was very unique. It was very unique to where God put his hand over Moses to protect him. And he'll get to see his back as God swept by. See, the Jewish people will not spell or attempt to spell the name of God or Yahweh because of the holiness and reverence to just his name. He said, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you because someone's uh, someone's name in the ancient Hebrew culture was a representation of their character. And by showing Moses part of his presence, God was revealing his character, which was the goodness of God and the unexplainable presence of God as well. But, you know, what is amazing is we have not seen God here in person. And we know why, but, but look around, right? Just look around at the work of his hands. The hands that did this were the, was the hand that protected Moses from his own presence. 
Look at the world, the universe. This universe we're at is only 10% is known of it. Uh, maybe not even that much. Maybe not even 10% of our universe is known, according to secular scientists. Now, I've heard that it is very intimidating to meet people who are extremely intelligent. And those who are authors or architects. I've heard of people being speechless when they meet the author, the author or an architect that they were so impressed with. Well, how do you act when the ultimate architect and the greatest author and creator of all things in, is in front of you? In, in fact, I have a better question. How would you feel if he wants to know you and actually be with you? Have you ever asked, why am I here? Well, God knew you before you were in the womb. And I've always said that we don't, we don't know what our destinies are, but God knows. Moses spent 40 years in the Egyptian empire. And then after that, he spent 40 years in the wilderness herding sheep. And now he is witnessing the glory and existence of God where he'll spend the next 40 years leading the people. So whatever it is you are called to do is God's call. Being with him is the key. And that is always the question. Well, two of them at least. For those who are with him, how much do, you, how much do we spend with God? Or at least in quality. Second is for those who do not know God, do you want to be with him because he wants to be with you? You know, through the best of times, through the worst of times, being with God is vital. Quality time is precious, and with God being first in all things, everything seems to come together a little bit uh, better than we realize. And I want to take our time now to introduce you to the Lord, to introduce you to Christ Jesus, who, the one who died for you and I to have eternal life, and who God sent to die once and for all for the sins of this world we live in. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to receiving His only begotten Son who came down to die for the transgressions of this world. For the sins of this world. And He said that whosoever should believe in Him will have everlasting life. And so if you believe that, and if you feel that in your heart, that after reading the graciousness of God in the Old Testament that he was still planning for all time to, to have something set up, a ticket, if you will, to, to, to have your sins forgiven, and a ticket to into eternity with him for those who would want to receive him in truth through the grace and mercy that he's given us. Well, I want to go ahead and give the opportunity right now. And that opportunity is taken by saying a simple prayer. A prayer of receiving. A prayer of salvation. See, don't matter what you're going through right now. You might be in the worst place you've ever been. And if you think of the word salvation, it is like the word of salvaging. You are being salvaged. You are being restored. He is going to salvage you for all eternity. He did with me and many others, and he, and he wants to continue to do so. So I want to give that opportunity, if you feel led, to say the prayer, the prayer of repentance and the prayer of receiving Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Repeat after me, dear God, please forgive me. 
please forgive me of all of my sins as I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask of you, Lord, to receive me, Lord, as I receive you in my heart right now as my Lord, my Savior, and my Father. Wash me of all of my sins, Lord. Cleanse me of all of my sins as I thank you for dying on the cross for me, Lord. As I receive you now in my heart that you would walk with me for all time, Lord. May you receive me when my time comes, Lord, as I have received you as my Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, how enjoyable it is. You know, it's interesting. I have no idea if people say this prayer. I pray that I pray that somebody has. And you can always get a hold of me too if you want. At info at a voice in the distance.com. You know, we're here to pray for you. We're here to, to teach you the word. And, and so God is constantly working in so many ways. So again, I just want to invite you to continue to follow along and to, more than anything, continue to walk. Just walk closely with Him. Because He's watching you at all times. And now you belong to Him if you have said the prayer. And so when you have a father, a father that never leaves you, never forsakes you, you want to stay close. So may you do so. May you continue just to, to pray constantly, to read constantly, and walk closely with Him. Be like that little child, no matter how old you are, holding His hand. <laughs> may God bless and keep you always.